Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, and my name is Andy Last. This is my show, and it's episode 162 this week. Sorry, I had to take a week break there, as in a week, the span of time. Not that I was physically weak, although I kind of was, because I wasn't really sleeping. I had a project I had to finish, and uh, it took way too much time. But none of that matters. Today on the show is Northern Lights. And we had a fun chat, and we'll be going to there. We'll be going to there in just a second. But before that, we'll talk to Marco. So we'll be keeping in 80s with Marco. He went to Neon Retro Fest in Rhode Island a few weeks ago, and there was lots of artists playing, and so he's going to give his report on how it was. And uh, and so we'll do that. And then uh, when we're done talking with him, we'll chat with uh, Northern Lights. So it'll be a good show. But first, let's uh, get the show started with some music here. So. This is a track from Nightmare Owl from the album Through City Lights, and this one's called Hell is Other People, and then in brackets, with Kenshiro Plus. So I suppose that means featuring? Who cares, man? Just listen.
And that was Nightmare Owl with the track Hell is Other People with Kenshiro Plus. I guess that's like New Game Plus. You know when you beat a game and then you can go back and start the game again, but you have all the powers you earned by the end of the game. So maybe Kenshiro is like a reincarnated version of the original Kenshiro. Except now this one got to keep his sword and a few of his potions. Anyway, whatever. That was brought to you uh, by my lovely Patreon supporters. The king of the Pattersons this week is Pattern Shift. Maybe we'll uh, chat with that guy sometime this month. And then there's uh, Jacob Wick with the 4488 and Clint Dowling, who heads off the $25 club. He's a cool guy, that Clint Dowling. So how is everybody doing? You know... I think when I had Damon Hatfield on the show, I feel like that was years ago now. It was like two. He's one of the, uh, you know, the editors at IGN. And he told me to play Inside. And I finally played Inside, the game. It's made by the same studio that did Limbo. And uh, I know it was on a lot of people's best game list of the year that it came out. Forget when that was. <laughs> Anyway, it was on sale, so I picked it up. And uh, it's a good game, man. Very similar gameplay to Limbo, if you've ever played that, where it's like a side-scroller sort of puzzle game where you're just constantly moving, like, left to right, but the game just sort of keeps going. Like, there's no real levels. You just sort of keep going into new scenarios. And it's really cool. The animation's nice. The mood of the game is uh, really effective. There's no dialogue, there's no text. It's this weird sort of dystopian science fiction story, and the ending is so weird (laughs) that I don't want to spoil it. It's also sort of hard to explain what was going on, but very clever game. So uh, Inside gets my thumbs up, so Damon can take that to the bank. The Blood Bank. Money now and a lot more when I get in that office. I can take that to the bank. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. And uh, for you Beyond Synth patrons, I don't know if you guys noticed, but last episode I did put up a poll. So that's going to be happening now for patrons of Beyond Synth. If you go to beyondsynth.com and click the donate button, there is, um, for all the patrons, no matter what you donate now, after every show posts, there's going to be a poll where you can vote on your favorite tracks that I played that episode, and we'll do something with that towards the end of the year. Some sort of, uh, you know, Beyond Synth listener-generated best-of list. So that should be fun. So uh, be sure to check that out. Sometimes I don't think the patrons read all the emails I send them. (laughs) So just so you know. Uh, Okay, how about we listen to another song, and then after that we'll go chat with Marco. So here's one from Ocean City Defender, and this is Perfect Wish.
was Perfect Wish by Ocean City Defender. Brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Joey and Kendra, Chris Williams, Mike Shima, Christian James, Emilio Estevez, and Gregorio Franco. Those people are super cool, and you should know it because I know it. And if you want to uh, join them and uh, and help support Beyond Synth, go to uh, patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And also don't forget to check out Retro Revolution. So last week I mentioned that I sent out a survey to the Beyond Synth patrons and I read what they had to say. I'm going to be incorporating some of their suggestions and uh, I'm going to be making some changes based on the general vibe I got from what people were saying. You might not notice a change in the show. Um, It's going to be very subtle, but uh, for people who didn't listen to the last one or don't remember, basically I was doing a lot of Patreon shoutouts and I'm going to be toning those down. So now it's pretty much just the the $10 donors and up who are going to get a shoutout and the $10 donors will be monthly. I mean, sometimes it might be more than monthly because I get confused, but pretty much the $25 donors are the ones who are always going to get the the weekly shoutouts. But also I'm going to be trying to remove some of the more repetitive aspects of the show. Ironic because last week I I said this exact same thing but uh so retro revolutions you know jared he uh is one of the the uh big uh, supporters of beyond synth and sponsors and instead of just reading the uh the ad copy i read every week you know go to retro revolutions on youtube and whatever um i'm actually going to have him come on and do a short segment and i've been talking to a few other people as well about joining beyond synth with new segments some of which i think you guys will enjoy well i hope you enjoy and also trying to focus more the florence and marco segments and uh, they should be good. And I hope you enjoy. If you liked last week's show where Florence and I reviewed Glow, the next episode for all you Star Trek fans, I think I want to wrap up the Star Trek talk because, you know, whenever Florence comes on, we end up talking about Star Wars and Star Trek. So this will be the last one, but I am going to watch. So Florence sent me a list. So hopefully this satisfies you Star Trek fans. Let me... Uh, sound like I said Star Trek fans. <laughs> Star Trek fans, Star Trek fans, 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 fans. So here's what Florence has told me to watch. So I'm going to watch these episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. From Season 2, Measure of a Man. From Season 3, Yesterday's Enterprise. From Season 3 again, Sins of the Father. From Season 5, The Inner Light. And then some two-parter from season six called Chain of Command. And uh, she's watched the whole series, but I haven't. So I said, give me some of the ones you would recommend watching. And I'm going to watch them because I've never actually really sat down and watched a whole episode of uh, The Next Gen before. And that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch those episodes. And then we're going to talk about them next time she's on the show. I don't know when that's going to (laughs) be. So I don't know why I'm talking about it now because it might not be for like another month. But uh, when we do, it it should be a good time. So actually, you know what? Let's listen another song then we'll go talk to marco how about that so here is a cool track from phono ghosts or do you say phono ghosts phono i'm gonna say phono like photon or whatever so phono ghosts and uh this person makes some interesting music kind of has a boards of canada vibe although this one has a bit more sort of like funky kind of bass lines in it and uh, it's called binary dynamics
And that was Binary Dynamics by Phono Ghosts. And that was brought to you by uh, a random assortment of $10 donors uh, from Patreon. There's Elias Garnier, Digital Dreams, Justin Armour, Polly Digital, and the Buchelman sisters, Sarah and Rachel. Thanks for supporting the show. Now, let's go keep it 80s with Marco Merrick. Marco And we're keeping it 80s with Marco Merrick, and here's Marco right now. Hello. Hey, Andy. Hey, synth lovers. How you doing? It's been a while since you were on the show. Last time you were about to get married. This time, are you married? Shit, that has been a while then. Yeah, I've been married for a bit over three weeks now, and everything's still good. It's great. Everything went well. It rained for like fucking 48 hours straight heavy ass rain too on the wedding day and then the day after and like where we got married it actually flooded out and everything I mean we're alright it's a real adjustment <laughs> moving here man it's summertime and it, it, I've never seen rain like that in my life I mean it was raining hardcore there was like mudslides and flood warnings and shit but it just wouldn't stop raining heavily for 48 hours literally it made for a great honeymoon though like it was nice we just stayed indoors and, and you know I like how you said it. <laughs> like it all went well well, and it's been like three weeks as if somehow like the whole thing could have fallen apart in this short well, amount of time. This is the thing though. I've had so many people tell me like people I've met and not necessarily good friends, but just people I've met say like, oh man, don't get married. Once you get married, everything changes. You've had friends that tell you that. I don't know. It's just people say that. And But no, nothing's changed. It's like, if anything, it's better. So that was a relief. <laughs> <laughs> Give it another three weeks <laughs> to see what happens. Mm-hmm. So look, man, today we're going to talk about Neon Retrofest in Rhode Island because you now that you're in the States you get to go to these fun things and I don't because I still don't have a passport we're not going to even talk about it yeah okay I went I'll get the damn forms I think I am phobic of forms did I look that up last time the definition I, I believe there is an actual phobia of forms like filling out forms. really now be clear here I'm not afraid of filling out the form. It's when I have a form in front of me that is empty that I need to fill out, my brain just becomes instantly bored. I just can't do it. Like, you know when you get that sense, I don't know how much of a procrastinator you are. Like, I'm a pretty big procrastinator. I am, yes, yes, I am. And when I see a form, the intense feeling of procrastination just goes to 100. Wow. Like, it's just it's just this instant thing. The second you put a form in front of me, I'll just look at it and go, no, this is why I have never applied for a grant. Because mm. people tell me, they're just like, hey, man, apply for a grant. Like, in Canada, we have a lot of arts grants. Really? Yeah, and, and people just, just fill out the form, man. And the the second I go on the website, I, I make an account. I do all that shit. You could get a grant. I can't do it. Can't you get somebody to help you? What about a family? I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way to do this. Get a family member to sort of push you to do it or sit there with you. Or- I do have an old friend who offered to help. Yeah. I'm looking this up. Phobia of filling out forms. Formophobia. I, I thought you said homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> You're a formophobic. 
Hey, man, oh. I, I, that's not true. I believe forums should be able to get married. Wait, no, no. Hang on. Ergophobia, I believe, is the the correct term. Ergophobia. Okay. Yeah, so that's what you have. That's okay. That's legitimate. I'm sorry if I teased you for it. I didn't realize it was legitimate. What is it again? Ergophobia. I'm deeply offended <laughs> that you would dare make fun of this crippling. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. Look, <laughs> the listeners of Beyond Synth enjoy us chatting. However, a lot of them got... I sent out a form mm-hmm. to my patrons, and a lot of people did make a joke about the last time you were on when we had a very extended discussion about hedge trimmers. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I still have that fucking trimmer. This thing is I the best love, shit ever. I would love this fucking segment <laughs> to be edge clippers again. <laughs> you know what, though? I've got this wasp nest Amazing. outside. I'm just going to make this quick, okay? okay. I, know, I know. Look, I'm sorry. It's been troubling me, okay? Since I got back from Neon Retro Fest, there's this fucking wasp nest out there, and, and like, everything's crazy in this land, Andy, and everything's, like, extreme, right? Everything. Everyone thinks Australia's dangerous, but this wasp hive, I've hit it twice with this fucking wasp spray, you know, there's long distance fucking foam shit. Oh, yeah. It tells it on the directions, cover the whole thing, shoot it inside. I did, right? Come back and it's like doubled in size. And then in the last two days, it's like doubled again. It's like this thing. I've got to take a photo and send it to you. It is fucking huge. I don't know what to do anymore, Andy. I'm scared. Roman candle. Really? Yeah, just fire fireballs at it. <laughs> And set it ablaze. The house down, dude. It's made of wood. Jesus. What the? Oh, the house. <laughs> the house. Where's yeah. the wasp nest? I like the idea. The wasp nest was made of wood. Probably. I think it's made of paper or something. They made like it's like a paper outside. It's weird. I've never seen anything like it. Um, it's two stories up on the eaves, like on the what do you call it here? Are the, you, you like the eave? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The two yeah. story part of the house. That's pretty high up. I can't just like uh, Jeff, aka Ninja Warrior, was like, "Why don't you just get a shovel? Get on the ladder with a shovel and hit it?" I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea." Yeah, you got to watch out. Cause I, I've never actually been stung by a wasp no my dad did one time when he was knocking down a wasp nest and he got stung enough times that it like he passed out Fuck. like he's not allergic but he just got stung so many times that's the thing that's that's it it's multiples it's the multiple stings if yeah. you're not that's what i'm scared of no i'm not scared of one sting i mean i got stung here already a few weeks ago by a wasp, by a wasp. yeah oh. right on my toe and, and it stings it hurts obviously but it's not like one time an ant bit me on the sack but that's about it <laughs> <laughs> on the sack. Oh, dear. <laughs> I got stung by a jellyfish on my sack what? when I was like six. I'm not kidding. It crawled up. Somehow it got up my shorts. Yeah, I didn't the know same I thing happened shorts. to me. Yeah, yeah. I was, in, I was in like a small pool. We've had this conversation before, haven't we? I'm sure we have. <laughs> it probably means we had this conversation privately. It's <laughs> amazing. Probably privately, yeah. <laughs> so what, what happened to the pool? Well, I was just in a pool and like an ant got up my shorts and then uh, oh. decided to take an old nip from the old sack, if you know what I mean. Ants are big here too. you got those soldier ants and shit. Well, thankfully it wasn't one of those, but like a jellyfish... I'm just thinking like, oh, you know what I'm thinking of? Because I think of Steve Irwin, so all of a sudden I had this impression that like a fucking stingray like fucking threw a harpoon through your bag or whatever. But, I like, don't think it really hurt that much. They don't hurt that bad. It's just, it's I don't know what sort of jellyfish. It's just a regular clear jellyfish. It's nothing. But because I was like six or seven and just the thought of a jellyfish on my sack, I just started wailing <laughs> like, Aah! like screaming because it was like, it's fucking horrific, man. It's not the pain. It's just the... The, you know, I am dedicating this segment to all the people who wrote in to make fun of the Hedge Clipper segment. This is what you get in its place, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll talk about Neon Retro Fest. People I'm getting sorry, bitten on it. the sack. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is we don't talk enough, Andy. This is why we've got so much like shit to talk okay, to each other. Okay, how about, about this? 
We are going to talk about Neon Retrofest because you were there. You had fun. You got to see lots of people. So how about you play me a song? Okay. And then we will uh, dive in. Okay. So my playlist this week will be uh, just music that was featured at uh, Neon Retrofest. So many great acts. I will get into it. But uh, one of my favorites was obviously meeting and seeing Robert Parker. And uh, I asked him if he could play Shooter, and he did. It was so good. So can you give uh, Shooter... A spin, Andy, please. All right, man. Here's Shooter by Robert Parker.
And that was Robert Parker with the track Shooter, Marco's first pick of the week. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely uh, Patreon supporters uh, in the $15 Club. There's Action Jackson. Action Jackson. <laughs> 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 Ken Jeru, Hampus ML, and Chatterack with the 1495. All right, so we're back here with Marco, and you went to Neon Retro Fest in Rhode Island, so tell me about it. All right, well, there's a, I could go on for hours and hours. It was a fair drive. It was about seven hours from us. We got a hotel close by. It was incredible. It was like catching up with old family. I mean, there were so many people. And you know yourself. I mean, you're in a similar situation as I am, you know, doing a radio show. You've interviewed so many people. But when you finally meet these people that you've interviewed, you've kind of got a special bond with them. And it, there was just so many people that we knew. It was fucking amazing. But there was so much to do other than music, too. And um, you would have loved it because I know you're saying, like, you like the connections and the conversation. And, and I spoke to a couple of people. Like, uh, I finally met Julie and Ernest from Future Holotype mm-hmm. and he was like I love performing and, and all that because for me it's almost more so the connection of, of talking with these people that you've known for so long and, and that's probably true it's a difficult one I love the music and I love seeing it live but just being able to talk to these people and, and just hang out with them is, is, is just so fucking awesome man one of these days man when I get over my fucking mm. form of phobia <laughs> maybe I'll make it to the next one how many nights was it? dude okay so this shit I've dreamed about when I first started listening to Synthwave in 2009 and onwards, you know, it went over three nights. It had everything. I mean, it had arcade games. It had a room for presentations, you know, interviews and stuff like that. I mean, well, one day they had, during the day, they had the Ladies of Synth panel where you could ask questions, you know, there was Mecha Mako, Dana Jean Phoenix was there, Julie from Future Holotype and also Alex from Neo LA who organizes events in Los Angeles and they did a presentation for an hour i mean there's just so much to see and do they had a, a movie room and they played movies for three days straight 24 7 like the wraith just everything from et to um all, all 80s movies and that was just back to back literally all the way through from the start of the festival to the end so you could it's four in the morning you could go in there and watch a movie if you wanted they had a, a, a table games room which was just all board games and and you know different table games i mean they had like thousands of games i recorded a video i couldn't believe it um if you're into that sort of thing mm-hmm. you know we didn't have time to spend too much time in there um and then there was like a co- old console room which had all the consoles in there and all games set up whatever you want to play all the different Ataris that had fucking systems I've never even heard of like um, what was it the Vox one I can't even remember the, oh man just just like really old stuff and then all the way up until uh, I even had like Sega Saturn and PlayStation Nintendo 64 that was really cool then they had like all the merchandise and people had stalls set up for all retro stuff from um, you know just 80s authentic stuff to fuck it everything you know like people selling books um, it, it was like a real fucking festival you know so um, and then they had a proper arcade as well it was like a massive fucking ballroom and then they had like the dance floor and the music as well was this in a hotel yeah it was in a hotel so the hotel had all these separate rooms a really beautiful hotel um, inside as well they had all these different rooms and um, and it was just all decked out for the retro so it was i think it was 130 dollars a ticket but that was for three days so you, and then all the video games are free everything's free mm-hmm. so it was really quite worth it and and i mean the the lineup three days of music the lineup was phenomenal for music if you're i mean i, I never imagined anything like this would ever happen I, I don't even know how the fuck they make any money from this because it was just um just so much going on a long time ago i i said you know what would i do if i had lots of money and if i could organize some sort of synth event mm-hmm. and what i would do and what you're describing is literally what I had in my head. 
Mm. Like exactly though. Like I wanted to have it in a like I don't know if I said all this stuff. I think you might have. Uh, when I said my idea, but like I wanted it to be in a hotel, like where you can rent out the different spaces yeah. and you can have fucking talks and people can sit around and have arcade games in one room and this like that's exactly I wish I could have gone, man. It's it's crazy. So Dude, it was unbelievable. I'm so lucky I moved here at just at the right time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's so close to, like I mean it's still seven hour drive. It's six hours but the traffic was seven. Just that it's I'm lucky that it's close to me as well. The camaraderie and the um just meeting up with everyone it was just it was so surreal and it's so much to take in. I mean you think three days that's a long time but I was depressed for a fucking week I literally I don't think I left home for a week afterwards which is really weird for me like I was just really depressed when it was over so this is an example I get there it's a 7 hour drive you know I'm all anxious and shit because I we actually did a lot of renovating and we got married beforehand we were really busy before and mm. it was a rush to get there and we decided that part of our honeymoon was to go there and we were going to go the full three days because we were, originally we were like three days is too much, you know. But we, we just like, what day do you miss, you know? Like So we decided to go. Anyway, so we get there and it's a long drive, man, seven hours. And after that, I'm just like, oh, God, and, you know, I need a shower and a drink. Finally get to the event, even before we get in there, we're bumping into people and it took so long to even get in there and get our tickets, you know, and I'm like, I, need, I just need a drink. And as soon as we're getting through the doors uh, of the hotel straight away I bump into absolute valentine and I'm just like oh my god dude it's so good to see you and we're like hugging and I'm like you know every <laughs> every corner I turn around there's somebody else and it, it, it was just surreal it was like probably the, the best festival definitely I've ever been to and, and if not the best weekend of my life one of the best weekends of my life easily in the top three you know like just out, out fucking standing stuff. yeah 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 well that's awesome look Play me a song. Okay. And then maybe we'll talk about, because uh, obviously, I mean, you, you did catch up with uh, people you've already hung out with, but there must have been a bunch of people that uh, you were meeting for the first time. So nah, uh, yes, I right. wouldn't mind uh, hearing who you bumped into, but uh, first, man, music. All right. So let's play another track from an f- artist featured at Neon Retro Fest, and that's Wave Shaper. Um, his live set was incredible. The dance floor was buzzing. Um, it was so great to see him finally perform and to meet him. And uh, the track I want to play from him is one that everybody knows. Uh, It's Hardware Passion. Hardware Passion by Wave Shaper.
And that was Wave Shaper with the track Hardware Passion. And that was Marco's second pick of the week, and that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon Pattersons. There's the immortal Crystalia Lane. There's Adam Four, Sebastian Ante, and Fraser Davidson. Anyways, we're back here with Marco now. He's here. And uh, you're talking about your experiences at uh, Neon Retro Fest, all the way out on the, uh, the remote island of... Rhode Island. I still can't work out why they call it Rhode Island. It's not an island. Somebody explained to me, and it takes like two minutes, and then I've got ADHD, so while I was explaining it, every time someone tries to explain it, I lose interest about halfway through, and I start thinking about donuts and pizza and shit. <laughs> Edge clippers. It's Rhode Island and something Providence, so it's like an island, which isn't even called Rhode Island, I think, and then like the rest of the state is just the, la- the mainland, so I don't fucking know. It's weird. But uh, it is a nice place. It was very nice. We managed to get to the beach as well. And you were saying about artists that... Yeah, yeah. People you bumped into for the first time. Wave Shaper. Uh, Tom, he's awesome guy. Really nice to meet him. Very humble. Uh, Robert Parker was a big one as well. Um, I did play his track, I know. But that's the first time I met him. And it's been a long time coming with him. We've been friends for a long time. And I've interviewed him a number of times. And just so good to see him doing so well. And he's just such a nice guy. Like, um, you know, he said to us, man, I'm really, I'm really honored to meet you. And, and I'm like, really? You're honored to meet me? I'm not even worthy to talk to you, you know? Like, it's like, I'm, I'm just like, and Jazzy as well goes, like, Jazzy, you were like one of the first people to comment on, on my songs, you know, a lot of encouragement. And she's just like blown away as well. And then we went and had a drink and. He, like, bought a round of drinks for us. And he's just so... Not, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, So, where did you guys stay? Like, were you actually staying in the hotel that the thing was The happening? hotel was a bit expensive. It was really nice. But for the three nights, it was pretty pricey. I think it was, like, 160 a night. So, we mm. got something literally just down the road. It was, like, $4 by Uber to get there. So, we got that instead. And that was maybe a 10-minute walk from the venue. Uh, and that was a bit cheaper. So, But most of the artists and a lot of the people stayed at the hotel itself, which is pretty handy, you know. With all the activity that was going on, though, throughout the evening, like, what point did you actually leave well uh okay so because it starts quite early it starts in the morning like at 10 a.m i mean the movies play all night but then i don't know about the board games either i think they go all night too you know some of these dungeon and dragons people they just fucking look at it hardcore they just they don't stop hmm. so it was there was always something to do there like you, if you if you didn't want to sleep you could stay there the whole time literally but uh, i think like the the speeches started at like about 10 in the morning or so uh, 10 or 11 in the morning and went all the way through till you know midnight or whatever and then the music starts, I think it was 5 or 6 p.m. every day and then finished at about 1.30 a.m. Some people party on, you know, um, but we were like, fuck, we've got to get up and do shit the next day. I don't want to sleep in till 3 o'clock yeah, in the yeah. afternoon. I want to catch stuff. It was tough. I mean, it was three three days of drinking hardcore and, and, and it really takes a toll, but... Um, it was good. The last day, so it was Friday through to Sunday, and Sunday it started early. Sunday the music started, I think it was about 3 p.m., so that the whole thing ended at about 9 p.m., because people had to work and stuff, you know, they, which was kind of cool, but then we went to an after party anyway afterwards, we all did. It was really cool. I mean, I took some photos, but it's probably about 15 of us, but it was all, like, people in the scene and that, and I mean, I took a photo, and it was just, it was awesome. Like, we were all at the, this, this arcade, right, it's called Free Play. It's the best arcade I've ever seen. They got, like, over 100 games. Uh, it was $5 entry, and then free games 
for as long as you want. And it had fucking the best games, man. I've never seen any place like this before. But I took a couple of photos at the bars and when everyone arrived and it was like Mecha Mako talking to Julie from Future Holotape and Dana Jeans talking to Straplock and Aaron from Verlingo and, and Jazzy's there and so many people. Betamax. Uh, I'm missing a lot of names. Just And it's just this group of like 20 people just talking like the who's who of Synthwave and it was just such a delight to see, you know. It really was. Everybody in the same room together, so. Seeing those pictures... If there's anything right now that is compelling me, you know, to get a passport, Mm -hmm. it's when I see when those events take place and I see you, like, taking pictures with all these people, I'm like, ah, fuck, like, that seems like something I really should be at. And, dude, you're, I mean, everybody knows you. You'd be, like, you'd be amazed. Everybody's just coming up to you, dude, hugging you, and, man, it's really good to meet you, you know? So, hate to say it, but you kind of did miss out, but there's going to be more in the future. And this is, I mean, this is, if anything, I just want to tell people, like, if you're a bit nervous or shy, don't be. Just, Just come to these events. I know they're not the cheapest thing, but save your money, go to these events, because you will not fucking regret it. They are fucking amazing. They're like, they're good for your soul. I mean, it, it is just one of those experiences you never forget, and it makes you fucking feel really good to be alive. It really does. You know what makes me feel good to be alive? What? <laughs> what? Your friendship. Aww. How about this? Uh, play me another song, and then we'll uh, wrap up. Okay, sure, buddy. Another artist that I was really delighted to see. Um, on the Sunday, it was Dana Jean Phoenix. Uh, the Sunday was more of the females of synth, and I really liked that because a lot of the times with these events, there isn't really too many female performers, but they made a real effort to get some out there, and they were really good. On the Sunday, they had the Ladies of Synth panel um, discussion about, you know, about women in the scene and what it's like being a woman in the scene and where where the women could take it and all this. It was very encouraging. Uh, a few of the female artists performed that day afterwards, so it was a really good day. Dana Jean... Uh, Phoenix, um, you know her well, obviously. Um, you've had her on the show, and I know you've done on the video show as well. Mm-hmm. She's a great performer. She's been doing it a long time, and she was really electric out there with a guitar, playing live. It, it was awesome to see. Really, really worthwhile. And um, she's got a new song out that she played on the night. I know she's got a new album coming out soon as well. Very excited about that. Uh, and the track I want to play is Only For One Night. All right, man. Only For One Night by Dana Jean Phoenix. <laughs>
And that was Dana Jean Phoenix with the track Only for One Night, Marco's third pick of the week. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you got to see her perform. She's fun. Yeah, she really is. Because I've seen her perform a bunch of times now. I'll, I'll go to the Toronto things where she puts on a little show and little bars and stuff and and uh she's good yeah i like uh she's fun to watch yeah she really is and she's so humble and nice i was so drunk when i met her i was a fucking blind drunk <laughs> i'm like slurring my words and shit and i'm like oh it's so good to meet you and i'm giving her a hug and and she's just really humble and nice and she's like oh, i'm really glad i could meet you and you know, it's, it's stuff like this that really... You know, because I, I kind of <laughs> gave up doing the show, and, I'm, and I don't miss it, really. I mean, I, I look back sometimes, I go, wow, you know, I can't believe I did that and interviewed all these people. You know what it's like. It's a lot of hard work. Mm. But uh, meeting these people, I'm grateful that I did do it, because people, a lot of people do respect me, and, 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 and I've made a lot of good friendships online with these people and people that I uh, admire and respect. And, and it's so nice to meet them in real life, and it's just like, wow, you know, like, just amazing in the flesh, so... <laughs> I know, I, I sound like an idiot, don't no, I? Just, I'm just sorry. Like, in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hands-on person, Andy, if you uh, didn't already know. No, so, I understand. Um, I like hugging people and touching them and stuff, so <laughs> it's really nice. Not just talking online or fucking messaging and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I appreciate that, man, and I'm, I'm happy you had a good time. You get to come back and rub these things in my face. Oh, that's why I take all these photos and these videos. I love rubbing it in people's faces. Look, because people, you know, I don't know. I just love it. It's like suck shit. You didn't come and you're fucking missing out. Is that, is that the expression? Suck shit? Yeah. Suck shit. It's like, uh, you know, what the fuck's your excuse for not coming? Like, anyway, so the, it, it went really well. It was a success. It looks like they're going to do it again next year. So even if you have to fly there or whatever, just save your money. And fucking come out. You won't regret it. It, it is life-changing shit. It, it really is amazing stuff. I'll think about it. No, fill out those forms now, Andy. Get prepared, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways, man, listen. We got to go, but you have a lovely day. And please prepare a very lengthy follow-up hedge trimmer discussion for next time. Because the listeners of Beyond <laughs> Synth love it. They love it. All right. Cool, cool. I will. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show, Andy. It'd be nice talking to you about it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And that was keeping it eighties with Marco. And I've got a fun little plan for the next time he's on the show. Uh, we're going to have a more sort of focused retro discussion that might span several episodes. So uh, we got big plans over here at Beyond Synth of uh, keeping things interesting. But besides that, keeping it eighties uh, this week was brought to you by Andrew Benson, The Patch Bay, Will Lowe, Colin Bennett, Monkey Magics, Lucas Ceballos, and Kempson Games. Now let's listen to another track and then we will uh, chat with Northern Lights so this is one from Atom Force from the album Square Wave to Heaven and this is Escape from Rallis Prime now relax because this is all in your mind
And that was Escape from Rallis Prime by Atom Force. And that was brought to you uh, by my lovely Patreon supporters, man. There's Trevor Resnick, Tristan Waits, Blake Peterson, Power Loader, Robert Wolf, Greg Smith, Knight of Ducks, and fucking Slunks, and Ashley Keegan. All right, now... And remember, if you want to support Beyond Synth, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Now, let's go all the way to Nashville to chat with Northern Lights. And I must apologize because during the whole show, I keep calling him the Northern Lights, but I believe it is just Northern Lights. Although he never corrected me. And to be honest, I feel like at times it was the Northern Lights, but maybe that's just me like retconning history. Or maybe it's the Mandala effect. Ooh. Anyway, here's... <laughs> Here's here's me in the Northern Lights. All right. Well, I'm here with the Northern Lights. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing good. Doing good. Things are good down here in Nashville. I'm doing my thing writing and just glad that we're finally getting to talk. So you're Derek, correct? Yes. First name, Derek. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole show. I just like to phone people up and just ask what their names are. Bye, guys. Thanks. <laughs> so, what's going on, man? Nashville. What goes on in Nashville? Oh man, it's a. Uh, I'm I'm liking it here a lot. I moved here from Los Angeles about a year ago. Uh, I had some great mentors that just said, "There's a big wave here catching right now. There is a bit of a pop scent scene coming up, and uh, there's really only about 20 or 25 acts here doing that. It's not just country music here anymore. There's a huge indie rock electronic scene coming up, and I thought about going to Seattle or Denver, but just yeah, some of my mentors said, "No, you need to come here because it's really it's really that wave is catching, and I'm really seeing a lot of that. So trying to catch it at the right time." And so I've made that leap about a year ago. So how long were you in L.A.? Is that where you were born? Or No, I'm actually originally from the Midwest, but I was there about five years. Um, originally moved there for film score composing and arranging. That's what I love to do is I'm really trying to write for commercials and film and, and then also combine with a little bit of the mainstream, kind of help out with that. But film score composing is really more where my love is and where my heart is. So did you went to school for that? I went to Baylor University. I actually majored in film and digital media because we didn't have a lot of good production programs there, but majoring in film, it got me into an actual studio where I could learn production methods, but I always wanted to do music production, so I just had to find a good route to kind of learn some of that, so. So was it just you were taking that one course, but you knew what you wanted to do, so you just took advantage of the equipment that was there to just kind of do your own thing? Pretty much. So I only stayed there for two years, and so I learned a little bit of that production methods, and then I just had some people in LA that said, hey, you need to get on out here, because education's great in the classroom, but they said you can either sit and learn by the book or you can get out here onto the sets and the studios and learn how we're really running it. So I moved out there uh, about five years ago. It was really, really good. It was great. But I just kind of wanted to see a new side of it whenever I moved here about a year ago. What's the weather difference? Oh my gosh, man. It's hot in the valley in LA, but the humidity here is unreal right now. Whenever you go outside, you're just instantly dripping sweat. So (laughs) that's unbearable. But there are seasons here. So it does get a little bit of snow every now and then. Most people compare it a little bit to like New York, but the winters aren't as harsh, but there are seasons. So I do enjoy that at least, but the humidity, I can't do that. 
I can't do it. Did you have connections in Nashville to like kind of help you out? Or you just travel on there with like a bindle, like one of them hobos and just like set up <laughs> shop in a new place? Like what did you do? I did start over. I had a few people here that I knew, but it was also starting over because as far as a lot of friends, I did not have that here. And so I'm still building my connections with that, just making friendships with people. So mm-hmm. it is a bit of a leap in the sense of you are starting over because I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm getting more comfortable here, but I did know a few people. It's very tough though in this industry though, because there's so many people that go, Oh, Hey, come hang out, come hang out. But then they're on tour for an entire year. Right. So you don't get to see them. So so I am still having to make my own networking and making my own friends, but it's good to get out of your comfort zone every now and then, because that's a hard thing for me to do. I'm a very introverted person. So it's forcing me to be a little more extroverted. Well, that's good. I feel like the idea of like being able to start over, I just came up with a theory. This is completely unrelated to everything, but I was just thinking about this today (laughs) to solve some of the world's problems. And I think there should be a day when YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook just all reset. Mm -hmm. And I think that would literally solve a lot of the problems. Yeah. Social media is a big deal right now because we spend a lot of time on social media and I'm very guilty of that. I would rather sit at home on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, but it's harder to get connected out into the real world because of that. So I agree with you that, you know, at some point there needs to be that reset button. There's got to be, there's going to be something that's going to happen, I think, eventually in my own belief. Yeah. Like I would rather it be something nice as opposed to like some fucking crazy solar storm that like destroys the computers. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I would rather it just be this willful agreement that's just like, hey, man, you know, things are getting out of control here. And and I don't think it's super healthy for some Mm -hmm. people like social media. I I don't think is the greatest for some people's Mm -hmm. personalities or mental health and stuff. Right. And so I just think, boom, it resets. You still get to keep your password and your banking information that stays the same. It's literally just the social media accounts and like. Right. And they would warn you. They would say like, you know, hey, the big reset is coming in two months. So if you're like a YouTube personality, you've got like two months to. Right. save all your save videos. everything instead of all the chaos yeah and, and the thing is look if you're like that's your deal like you're a YouTube person you could re-upload everything that was reset like the next day but you would actually have to mm-hmm. consciously do it again right. right and the same with Facebook it's like it would reset and if you want to just put your pictures all back up again you have that choice but you also have the choice to not do that mm-hmm. or you know and like I, I think that would just be so awesome and that's my story <laughs> I get one though based on the way I was saying it that if it did just reset instantly like like you said solar storm there would be chaos there would be complete chaos so if you did it in the right way that's a possibility but yeah I, I think social media is such a I call it a necessary evil in our world in our day because it can cause so many problems but then there are so many people that you know it's been the best way to connect to people to listening to my music too so I have to be thankful for it yeah but there's things I love and I hate about it and then there's some people you know they don't get to keep in touch with family members so it's helped them but then there's also that obsession over it too because I also fall into that category where I'm constantly looking at it constantly. I mean, if you go back and you look at your phone data mm-hmm. and you see how much time we spend on social media, it'll kind of freak you out. If you go and look into your settings and see how many hours and how much data you've spent on Facebook, Instagram, it gets pretty wild. It kind of will give you a reality check if you go do that. The problem is, I mean, the internet is the most, it's like the coolest and the shittiest thing at the same exactly. time. Like if, if, if there right. was anything created by a man that is the fucking yin yang, it's the internet. It's like, right. on one hand, I couldn't do what I, I'm doing without the internet. And I've met so many mm-hmm. cool people and have a lot of fun friendships with people that's purely because of the internet. And then the internet has also exposed me to images I never want to see again that are going to be burned into my brain for the rest <laughs> of my life. 
and right. just horrible. Right. Like it's like one after the other. Mm-hmm. If you scroll through your Facebook post, it'll be like, "Hey guys, I got a new job." And you're like, "Oh, good job, fucking Jimmy." And then the next post is like some girl who's like posting about fucking abused dog mm-hmm. shelters, and then you're just seeing all these photos of these sad images of these dogs, and you're just like, right. "What the fuck?" And it's like it's right yeah. next to that. Yeah. And ah, uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, they're just no, they're just days that you have to force yourself to put it down because I never, I really don't think there are many days I get onto social media and stay on it all day and then I come back feeling better about myself. So yeah, I completely agree with you that it's all just it's a very me generation and I'm also guilty of that as well. But it's also a great thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, how about this, man? Let's start uh, diving into the catalog here and listen to some fucking cool. music you've made. So yeah, man. we're gonna go back in time here to the album Dreamers, yeah, part one. And this was a track that I dug. This is uh, Strangers mm-hmm. by the Northern Lights. Yeah, that was influenced by Lake Asset, by the way. So it kind of has that sound of one of their songs, if you notice it. <laughs> Side note. Oh, 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 
Yeah, they had, um, whenever I was first starting that project, that was when I just wanted to do a solo thing and I had heard them and I thought it was great. So I was like, how can I do something that's kind of along the lines of that? And then I just added more guitar to it, but it has a very similar sound to one of their songs, but I cannot remember the name of it now since it's been so long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of where I started because it had a big John Hughes sound to it. Well, I should say that you are the Northern Lights. I forgot to come back into the interview here. Usually when the song is over, I will say, hey, that was Strangers by the Northern Lights, but instead you were talking. And so the whole show is broken now. <laughs> we're we're going to have to restart i'm just kidding but okay. uh it's good stuff i dig your sound it's uh it's good <laughs> appreciate that man <laughs> at least somebody thinks so has your setup changed as far as like the equipment you use or the programs you use like since then yes well i use the same programs but they're both a little bit different this last album i did i intentionally tried to make it radio quality i intentionally went in and tried to make it the right sound that it would fit alongside most of the other tracks uh, that album was more of a i was just testing out a project that i wanted to do an analog real lo-fi sound and i didn't really pay as much attention to the final mix and master so you'll hear a lot of my songs that they're real lo-fi and that's because i just kind of ran that route so yeah it has changed i use the same programs but uh, just as far as caring as much about the quality of it i've tried to update that as much as i can what daw do you use man (laughs) i'm a big logic pro fan but pro tools is what most of everybody i know is using lately especially here in nashville that's a big thing so i'm trying to get more into pro tools but logic pro has always been my handy dandy friend for the last yeah about nine years now you kind of get your best friend and you learn everything about them and you know you know everything that they're going to do and everything they're going to say back to you that's how i feel with this program so it's (laughs) it's it's hard it's hard to leave them you know i mean i use logic to record this show but i mean i edit Mm -hmm. the podcast in final cut interesting which is a weird thing to do but there's certain things that um in final cut x that i like about the way it cinches Mm -hmm. audio together when you make cuts and stuff Mm -hmm. but it is a video editing program well we're both unconventional let's put it that way and i that's a great thing about product i'm very unconventional when it comes to even mixing and mastering it and i think that's a neat thing about it though that's how you can find your own sound through that that if you're doing it in this not in the cookie cutter way you know you find what works for you what's easy and i'm not gonna lie i get some people in the studio that are they're kind of they kind of question it at first and i'm like wait just wait for the final product i know i'm not doing it the way that you're used to it's like usually i, I sing into a microphone and then they get to your studio and it's a fucking tin can with a string like just exactly fucking at the back of the computer exactly Exactly. <laughs> trust me, man. It's a sweet yeah. can. Isn't that the worst thing to say to anybody? You can't trust anybody that says, trust me, man. Yeah, I feel like if um, the kind of person who has the phrase, trust me, man, in their repertoire of things that they say on a regular basis... <laughs> You might not be able to trust them. What the fuck are you doing that you need to tell people to trust you all the time? Maybe this is a better phrase. In the end, maybe not say trust me, just say trust the process. Does that sound better? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe not. What do you do for fun over there in Nashville then besides making music? Well, about 90% of what there is to do here is going to listen to music. Yeah, that's usually what I try to do here. I, I, I try to get out into, we have some good parks, some nature there is to go out and walk and just kind of ease your mind and relax because there's some days you just kind of got to get away from the music because everybody here, I mean, it's so saturated with it. Then whenever you go out, everybody wants to talk about music constantly and it's my passion and it's my love, but there are t- some days you just got to settle down. So I'll go out to like a park, a little outside of the city and walk around or I love to just go listen to shows so there are people 
that I'll go with. I've met some people here that aren't into music at all. So I'll go with them out to a show and we don't have to talk about the music while we're there. You know, we can just enjoy it. Just have a good time for the night. Yeah, man. Well, speaking of listening to music, let's listen to another track. This is a track called Teenage Wasteland and it is cool and it is by the Northern Lights.
And that was Teenage Wasteland by the Northern Lights. And I'm here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek. Hey. Just hanging around. So that's a cool song. Thank you. Thank you. Do you remember everything? You're not quite to like Cellar Act LA Dream levels, but like you have made a lot of mm-hmm. albums and music. What happened when I talked to him, I was surprised that when I would like mention song titles, he would mm-hmm. actually know what I was talking about because mm-hmm. that dude's probably made like a thousand songs or something. Yes. I mean, I remember where I was and what I was thinking, what I was doing during that process, but some of it also becomes a blur too because all this music in this many years, I mean, I guess the brain capacity, I can't remember every single day of my life through that but I, I mean I remember the process I remember making it gosh I remember like I remember bits and pieces like I remember sitting there playing some of the guitars I remember doing a few of the vocals then some of it's a blur as well that whole EP I think the only song that I remember completely and vividly was gosh now I'm going oh it's alive I almost called it away wow so see yeah. I don't remember it all uh, <laughs> but it's called alive on that EP and that's the only one I remember because I was sitting out on my porch coming up with this idea and I came up with that idea just very quickly. I mean, it was one of the quickest of that EP. I just remember I just did it just sitting there and I finished that one in just probably like 20 minutes or so and that rarely, rarely happens for me just to kind of just bring something together real quick. So in that whole EP, that's the only one I really, really remember. But yeah, I can remember bits and pieces of almost everything that I've recorded. Well, because you've made so many uh, things, especially in I think 2016 was a very busy year for you. Like, So were Mm -hmm. you just making music all the time? Yeah, pretty much. Because that was when I was still deciding whether to move here or not. So yeah, I was pretty much just writing every day, just coming up with something. And I know that most of the writing process for anybody, they can vouch that, you know, they'll write like 50 or 60 songs and then they'll take the best 12 or the best 13. I think at that point, I was kind of just releasing everything I was writing Mm -hmm. instead of saving my best or my personal favorites. But yeah, this last year, I tried to kind of back off a little bit because, um, it's great to have quantity, but I think that people like the music a little bit more if they have a little space and a little bit of gap in between what they're producing. It gives people a little time to get used to your other stuff and then gives them time to wait for a little bit. There must be something nice, though, about just putting it out there, because mm-hmm. I know what it's like for me. I do get a certain satisfaction when a project is finished and you just put it out there, and mm-hmm. sometimes it can be frustrating when I know like my hard drive is full of things mm-hmm. that are incomplete, and I will always have that incompleteness sort of like weighing on the back of my head so mm-hmm. uh, in some ways you know if you're sitting there just releasing everything you're making mm-hmm. there must be a satisfaction in that too of just being like hey it's it's out like I don't have to think about it anymore like it's just there true very true because this last album I you know had listened to it so many times that I was ready for it to be done and there's you know like you said there's that sigh of relief whenever it is released into the airwaves um, but a lot of those songs the past songs we're talking about 2016 a lot of times what happens is I'll make all these tracks and then I won't release them them, and then I go back like three or four months later. Then I'll listen back to them and go, oh, maybe I should release that one. And so some of those little uh, random uh, pop-up EPs have been based on that, that I'll just go through my catalog and just put something together real quick and just let it fly. Because it's like, oh, maybe I didn't like it when I was making it, but then I go back and I'm like, oh, I can stand that. I'll, you know, I'll let everybody listen in on it. And a lot of it's kind of your own journal too, so it, it sometimes gets tough to release stuff because you go, that may be a little personal and do I want everybody listening to that open book? Yeah. But then, you know, three months later, you're like, oh, well, okay, that's cool. I'll just let it go. You know, maybe I'm in a different place or 
You know, it doesn't mean I'm not as attached to it. So, did you do much like uh, music stuff in your hometown? Like, you've been in three different places now, like where you were born and then the school and then LA, or did you do more bouncing? Oh, gosh. I've lived like four or five different places since then, but um, in my hometown growing up, I started playing guitars when I was nine years old, and then I started learning lead and rhythms, and then I, I played in different bands all around, and then I learned lead guitar, mostly played that in the bands, and then when I was 15 is when I started picking up just the keys, just the piano. When I was 20, I started learning the drums. I would say that's one of my weakest qualities are the drums. I love the drums, but it's so hard for me to multitask. And then I got real into synths when I started this project. I was real into synthesizers. I love guitars, but I feel like there's only so much you can do with them. With synthesizers, you can always design and always create a new sound. And that's so neat to me that you can always create something new with it, with these airwaves that are coming through. So yeah, I grew up playing in different bands. And then my bands, you know, we split up. Everybody kind of moves on, does their own thing. I think of Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Like, they grew up, they got married, you know, never thought we'd make it that far. <laughs> that's kind of, that's what I think of when I say that. They all like moved on, did their own thing. So that started this solo project. I was just kind of on my own and just, what can I do for fun? And So yeah, I do have a, a background of playing in bands and playing live. Any embarrassing uh, band names? Oh my gosh, yeah. We had one that only lasted for like probably two months, but they decided we should name it Good Morning Starshine based off of, isn't that a Beatles song? Is it? Hold on, I gotta look it up. <laughs> you, you can be the research guy for this show. We were, it was real emo, so it was good. We named it Good Morning Starshine, like M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Like, good morning, like as if you're morning. Oh, oh nice. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. It did not last, needless to say. Early morning singing song. Oliver. Hmm. Oliver from 1969. Good morning, Starshine. So, yeah, even worse. But I'm not the one that named the band, at least. <laughs> that did not last. Yeah. Well, look, I want to listen to more music. So we're going to move uh, We're going to move forward to the album Endless Summer cool. in 2016. And we're going to listen to a track called Night Drive by Northern Lights.
And that was the Northern Lights with the track Night Drive. And I'm here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek, why did you call it the Northern Lights? This is going to get weird. Northern Lights? Uh, Aliens. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> no, I'm, I've always been fascinated with um, Aurora Borealis. I've always been very fascinated with space and, and time. And I've never been able to go see the actual Northern Lights. Sometimes I believe maybe it could be like a portal to something we don't know. That That's why it's so beautiful out there. Maybe it's like where souls could go, you know, after we pass on. It is the color of souls, because I know from playing Mortal Kombat that when you like take right. someone's soul, it's a it's a glowing green force. Right. So there's a lot that goes into it, that just the beauty of it, and I'm a little bit of a space nerd, and, and that's just something I've never been able to see, and whenever I first started writing this, that's what, I, what I've imagined whenever I was writing the music, of watching those lights out there, doing their thing, and you know, what would it sound like? I saw them once. Really? Because I'm in Canada, I mean, like, we're, I'm obviously not I'm not super north, and I've only seen them once, and I remember, like, I don't uh, do drugs anymore, but this was at the time when I still did, Mm -hmm. and so I was walking home on a a winter's night, and I was stoned, Mm -hmm. and I looked up, and I was so confused, like, because I thought it was aliens, because I'm like, what the fuck, because it was, (laughs) there was one night, it was just so vivid, and it's funny, because, you know, you can see pictures of things, and people can explain stuff to you, Mm -hmm. and when you see it yourself, it's like... All that stuff doesn't matter. And so I looked up and there's this fucking... The sky was green mm-hmm. and it was nighttime. And I was so... In that moment was just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I totally thought it was fucking... Right. I, this is why I don't yeah. smoke because, like, I, I'm a paranoid guy. So, like, mm. when any when anything <laughs> happens that's unsettling... Yeah, no, I agree with you. I can't smoke weed anymore either because of the same reason. So. It sucked because I had some of the most fun high moments. Like, I, I mm-hmm. can think back and some of my favorite moments from high school and stuff or like getting high and mm-hmm. and then some of my worst moments and like weed awoke in me anxiety that i never had mm-hmm. like weed actually activated it really which pisses me off yeah because like i had my first panic attack when i was high mm-hmm. and then since then it like became part of like my person right and and i was like fuck this and it was weed that like awoke it which is too bad that's interesting so yeah when i saw the damn northern lights i just thought it was aliens and like i just and i went home and i was like what the fuck did i just see and then when someone's like oh is the northern and lights tonight i'm like oh phew <laughs> Good. Oh, so you're exper- okay so you need to experience it on a on a deeper like when you know what you're getting into because it doesn't sound like you had the best experience well it was still cool like it was very nice looking yeah it wasn't as though i thought like imminent threat or something from mm-hmm. alien forces but it was definitely like whoa it was just surreal it's nothing you'd ever seen like the sky was fucking green yeah. like it was just it was fucking green it was like in the movies you know like every big blockbuster movie now like a green beam will like shoot out from the ground and into the clouds. Right. And like every movie does that now. Like straight War of the Worlds. Yeah, man. Well, everything. I remember fucking Lord of the Rings and fucking Avenger. Like any blockbuster I can think of, there's always that moment where a big laser beam shoots up into the clouds. Like that seems to be the sure the thing from the last like 10 years is like the... I mean, it looks cool, but you know, sure. how many times can you see that, man? Right. And so that's uh, one of my ultimate bucket lists. So um, it's just what I try to imagine whenever I'm writing some of this stuff stuff of just what it, what would it be like out there or if you could I don't know it sounds real hippie but if you could even become one with the northern lights it'd be like what what would we write about well you're gonna have to get a fucking homemade rocket ship or something <laughs> you gotta go to the arctic I know it I know it uh, one day one day I'll get there I don't know how exciting of a place it is my dad is a geography teacher and he used to take uh, his students on field trips up to the arctic
Antarctic, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very isolated. Right. It can be a depressing place, I believe, unless you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was the issue that this is dark. Never mind. No, <laughs> oh, no, sure, no, I get it. I get sorry, it. I was going to start to talk about the suicide rates of the the. Uh, no, the when you people, get up but, there, but, when it's darker, you know, more than it's daylight, you know, that's you, you lose that vitamin D, and also the problem is honestly, which is weird. It's it was exposure. I mean, for the people that live there, the Inuit people. Um, it was their exposure to Western culture like the rest of Canada because, you know, they would get stuff shipped to them. Mm-hmm. So the further they got away from their culture, the you know, when they had, they would get TV and get Walkmans and music and all that stuff, it, mm-hmm. it would actually kind of increase the depression. Right. You know what I mean? Because you just know that all this stuff was going on and you just can't hmm. go because, like, mm-hmm. especially some of these communities are so isolated, right? Like, you need a plane to get to them. Like, there is no yeah. driving. But, but I've never thought of it that way, of how you are actually isolated from other communities and other environments that you may see on social media a lot. I mean, some people may feel a little left out that they don't get to be involved in that. So I think that's the biggest thing, man. That's what it is. Like, I think, I mean, I had a weird idea and I don't know if people are going to be on my side for this idea, <laughs> but I think that social media should have like the same kind of warning for different reasons, like cigarettes and alcohol and stuff does. Mm-hmm. I see people with, you know, depression and bipolar and stuff where like, right. ultimately, I don't think that social media is the best thing and, and but maybe there's no, a way to not. like to moderate it because i think that's exactly the problem is like you know you sit there and you see all these people having fun and it's fake it's not even real like i think right when i post shit on facebook i don't want to say it's fake like it is it is real but i still make sure i look okay before i hit record on the video and it's like hey look at how much fun i'm having at my house when like really what the rest of the day i'm sitting in my pajamas yeah well, i mean we're prone to showing the world what we want them to see it's just like the movies they show you in the production and the film what they want you to see. They don't show you everything going on backstage. We're prone to giving our good news instead of giving our bad news. Yeah. Our lives are not 100% like that. No, it's the same with like those Instagram girls that just take the pictures with their boobs out and stuff. And it's like, you know, they took... They took 500 photos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, they did. (laughs) I know a few of those girls. true. I wonder if they keep all the photos and there's just this 200 terabyte hard drive of these <laughs> incrementally different pictures. <laughs> I feel like one day we'll find that out. It may not be a good thing, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it won't be a good thing. That show's stupid. Hey, you did the one track that I found kind of catchy. I think you took like a sample from a track by The Weeknd, or as I like to call it, The, the Weeknd, and you made like a little track. I don't want to get like flagged for copyright when I post the show on, on YouTube, but uh, I'll just play a little sample because this was a catchy sort of tune you did So where did you get that vocal from? That was just a stem I took from the weekend that I took it from an acapella download. I was just bored that day, and so just kind of put it together, and I'd forgotten about the song until you just brought that up. Yeah, I liked making that one. That one was fun. I, I haven't listened to it since we talked about it just now. <laughs> 
I'm talking like two years or so. Yeah. The vocals were already mixed, ready to go. And that's something that I, it's one of my least favorite things of production. So they were ready to go. And I was like, oh, I can just work on the music over it. So. Where do people normally get though? Because I know like a few people who do tracks like that, where there's just these acapella tracks that are just floating around the internet. Like I am a member on acapellas for you dot... <laughs> trying to look at here i'm looking it up right now acapellas for you but even better it's for the number four and then you the letter you acapellas for you yeah you can find a ton of acapellas there i would hope so <laughs> that's all whole... acapellas for you the, the home of one acapella track <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is it is kind of hard to find acapellas they're, they're a great site but it is kind of hard to find rare acapellas a lot of it is acapellas you know that are you know top 10 on top 40 radio and yeah 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 uh look i want to listen to some more music um how about this i know you mentioned earlier when we were chatting about uh, teenage wasteland that uh, the track you remembered the most was alive mm-hmm. so uh, i thought maybe we'd just uh, listen to that man cool. so here is uh here is alive by northern lights
And that was Alive by Northern Lights. And I'm here with Northern Lights right now. Derek, all the way from Nashville. And uh, I don't really know that much about Nashville. What are the, what's like the rent cost there? Is it expensive to live there? It's getting up there. It's getting up to the same. I know just since this last January, they're moving it up because of the flock of people. Uh, That's because of the TV show Nashville. Now, they kind of had a deal within the city that it made people think that their lives are going, going back to social media and TV. It made a lot of young folk think that they're, life is going to be like the TV show Nashville. And so it's being in flocks and flocks of people. I think they're saying like a hundred people a day are coming. So that's very similar to Los Angeles. So yeah, rent is not much cheaper, but it's definitely been hyped even since I've been here. It's, um, the market. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Real estate. That's why people listen to this show is uh, to get uh, caught up on their real estate news. And uh, yes, I'm your guy. I'll talk about it on any radio show. Apparently. (laughs) Because I'm in Toronto, and in the neighborhood I live, it's a uh, one of them gentrified neighborhoods where the prices are just insane. And mm-hmm. They're renovating a church down the street from me. There's actually a few in this area, like renovated churches, mm-hmm. and they have a fucking bulletin board. I don't know why this drives me nuts. I don't know what it is. It's something about when people just have the audacity to just advertise how expensive the fucking thing is, but they're going to be breaking it up into condos, mm-hmm. and there's just this billboard that's just like, from 600000 to over $3 million. Like for a fucking condo. Right. And it's like, fuck you. Like the billboard just makes yeah. me mad that like you just have the nerve to suggest that like, yeah, there's going to be condos that are going to be three million and you're going to pay it because you're an asshole. Right. I don't see a lot of that here. That seems more like LA to me. Mm. You don't see a lot of that here, but I am seeing a lot of the boasting of, because uh, there's so many cranes here just in the last five years, I've been told that it's really becoming a lot of high rises like that. Mm. And um, I am seeing a lot of listings for the amenities and just how amazing our amenities are going to be and i think that's a little more annoying to the people who are natives here though because they're calling this new nashville and to me that doesn't mean anything because i've only been here about a year (laughs) Um, but i know a lot of the locals they get angry that they're calling it the new nashville and they're building all these high rises and it's upsetting a lot of the people that are locals in this town so yeah but yeah i can understand that of just that they're trying to tell you how much you're gonna pay that's them trying to persuade us to live life the way that they want us to three Million, Like, I understand I'm Canadian, so that's probably just more like 50,000 U.S. But still, like, the fucking... It's ridiculous, like, because I, I came from a small town. Yeah. I know that for three million, I could, like, buy a block. Right. Like, of yeah. just fucking small houses, like a block of houses. And I would connect them all with the fucking McDonald's tube stuff, like, you know, for the fun slides. Mm-hmm. So they would all be connected by fun slides. <laughs> you could drive little go-karts in and, like, go between all the houses, like... I, anyway, that's what I would do with the money. It'd be, you could build a paradise. I mean, <laughs> that to me is a paradise. A bunch of fucking small houses connected by fucking playland tubes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a little similar because where I come from in the Midwest, see, I just have my studio and we have our living room and the bathroom and the other bedroom. In the Midwest where I come from, you can get like a five bedroom, two and a half bathroom house with a yard and two garage house for the same amount in rent that I'm paying right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is getting up there as far as LA, but I don't think it's as much as like Toronto or... You got to go back to the Midwest. Midwest. The Midwest. Oh, no. It's... (laughs) Never mind. I have friends back there that are probably listening. The (laughs) Midwest. (laughs) 
you know, there's some great stuff there. I mean, there's there's some great stuff there, but there just wasn't anything that I was interested in. So I don't see myself going back there. But there's a lot that I can take in from that. That's one of the things I think is interesting about John Hughes, of course, my favorite producer and director, and his love his film scores. But, you know, all of his movies are about a, a fictional town in Chicago, outside of Chicago, and that's where he grew up. But he said he would never go back there again. And I always found that interesting that he loved to write about people who lived there. But he never wanted to go back there and visit and I would say that's similar to me it's it's you know there's some great things going on for people there but there's nothing for me you know I love to go back and visit but I go back and visit for a week and that's enough it's funny because I'm actually back and forth to my childhood home quite a bit mm-hmm. I'm trying to find like the the optimal midpoint because Toronto is a big city and then we go back and the, the town I come from is a small town so it's literally like a population 2000 kind of place mm-hmm. and so the energy there it's like yeah it doesn't have the hustle and bustle of the city and it's more quiet Mm -hmm. it's also kind of drains the energy from me too Mm -hmm. when i'm there because i always think like hey we go back for a few weeks in the summer i'll be able to just relax i'll get so much Mm -hmm. editing done i'll get and then all of a sudden i just find myself like drained yep like the small town like sort of drains me but i can't quite put my finger on why that is but it just is that's so interesting you say that because this last album after we finished recording it here i went home to my hometown for about a week and a half and i said the same thing i'm gonna edit it all here i'm gonna have so much because there's nothing for me to do there so I'll just be able to sit there and edit it and I did not get a lot done there and maybe it's because I didn't feel like there was something pushing me see here I feel like there's something pushing me to get stuff done pushing me because people are always on the grind but it's also draining on both systems yeah I know you may not want to come down here but Nashville that was another factor into moving here to me it has right in between my hometown and right in between LA that it's still got a bit of an LA vibe going on with all the big music scene and there's so many people from New York and LA and moving here but it's a big little town it's not as spread out as wide as LA and then I'm still running into the same people I'm already running into the same people everywhere so I just call it this big little town it still kind of has the Midwest Southern vibe but you still get a bit of LA so it's that like halfway point that I do enjoy that that's a good point about being pushed mm-hmm. yeah because when I, you know, I'm in my town I guess that there is none of that right I find it difficult to relax too like I always have all these ideas in my head about projects to do and when I don't do them they kind of stress me out that I'm not doing stuff mm-hmm. and so even when I'm at a place where you think like, hey, we'll just fucking sit on a hammock. I can't enjoy hammocks like other people because Mm -hmm. because when I'm laying down at it, all I'm thinking is like, well, you got fucking five things on the go. Like, We're very similar in that. I think that's part of the thing. Whenever I go home, I go home to relax, but then I think of all the things that I need that I could be getting accomplished or I think about all the people here that are doing things that I could be doing, but I'm, you know, laying on my ass at the pool. So yeah, you have to find that balance, but I do agree that it's uh, so easy to be laying there by the pool and still be stressing. I mean, I went to Florida with my family a couple of weeks ago and I told them all, sitting there joking, telling them I'm going off grid. No, I'm not going to get on Instagram, not going to get on Twitter. And then I was on it every single day trying to promote stuff and, <laughs> and they started laughing. Well, they were making fun of me, but I think they were also like, you definitely told us you were going off grid and here you are Instagramming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying to relax with people and I'm still sitting here trying to promote things and, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like you're getting behind. Especially when you have so many different social media accounts as well there's always something to fucking do mm-hmm. hey listen i want to listen to more music cool we're gonna move forward here to 2017 to the album home movies and here's a nice track this is our first kiss by the northern lights
And that was Northern Lights with the track Our First Kiss. And I am here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek, talking about sitting by the pool and going on Instagram when you're not supposed to. Is that the gist of what we're talking about? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> There's like this weird unnaturalness about wanting to be super engaged with the um, with social media and stuff, especially for promotion, like like you're talking about. And, but then I think about the people that I follow or the or the the YouTube channels that I'm interested in. I start to realize that you know, I mean, there is obviously you don't want to go away for too long. I have had that experience too, where I followed a creator. You know, they were kind of inconsistent, but then they didn't do anything for like a few months. Mm -hmm. And then I just forgot. And and then like two years later, I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happened to so-and-so? And And then like I go back and find their channel. Mm -hmm. So for me, I noticed that I feel like once a week is like a good Mm -hmm. check-in. I feel like with a lot of YouTube channels I watch, you know, like they put out like a weekly video and it's like, yeah, you know, you check in, Mm -hmm. you feel up to date, but it's not, you're not like super inundated with stuff. Cause I remember back in the day, I don't know if it's cool to talk about the nerdist anymore but uh, i used to listen to that podcast and they did like Mm. they did one a week and then they started doing two a week and then there was a point where they started doing three a week and this is years ago Mm. and i remember that number like threw me off it was like it was too much right so then i stopped listening to the show as often because i was like okay i'm just gonna pick and choose if i like the guest now because there's too much Mm. and then it eventually Mm. made me not really listen to the show anymore and so there's that weird balance of how much is too much and how much is too little yeah exactly Um, and i'm learning that in myself too because there was a while that i didn't post anything on youtube i mean i still would check it every now and then i don't really check my own page once i release stuff but i agree with that that there are some channels i'm subscribed to and i get to where um even that fascination i go back you know every other day and check their channel did they upload something did they upload something and they don't then you kind of lose interest but not that you lose interest just you're going oh they haven't updated in a while you just kind of move on and so i'm having to learn that even with my own channel of how to progress it and how to keep that right balance of between too much and too little i think the key I mean, I know this is one of the rules because everyone always said it, and I broke this rule in the first few years of doing the show, was they just say, to, especially with podcasts, just regularity. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if it's going to be a weekly thing, you got to just keep putting it out on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. and that's the key. And then once you set a schedule and people start to understand the schedule, then as long as you stick with it so like yeah if your deal is like i put out a thing once a month then Mm -hmm. people will check back with you a month later but then if you don't do that thing you don't have much leeway but the the difference is i don't know how that necessarily applies to musicians because obviously you work on an album you put it out some years for you were very busy but then well synthwave is a little different because i feel like the turnout is more than an album a year it seems Mm -hmm. but it's still like you're not expected to nor should you be putting out an album like once a month i mean Mm -hmm. like we're, we're not all Celerect LA dreams, you know? So, like, I mean, because there was a point where that dude put out an album a month for, like... Two years. It was literally just wow. like every month was I just like a that. new album. Yeah. Oh, dude, that guy must have like fucking 50 albums. I mean, I've had him on the show twice. I was just working through his back catalog, and I don't think we ever even got halfway up to where we were at the time. I think I had him on like 2015, and like I was still talking about stuff he made like two years before because there was just so much. Yeah, I've heard his stuff, but I had no idea that he was cranking it out that often. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, like he literally probably has a crank, <laughs> like where like, he's turning the thing and then just fucking. Music shooting out the side like making sausage. That takes talent. If you're doing this on your own, that's not easy to do either. That takes a lot of talent mm-hmm. to turn something up that quick. Because I know at least for me in the editing process, it's I like making the music. I kind of just go with what I feel, but the final editing of it and 
bringing it all together. That takes a lot of work. So uh, that's cool that somebody's able to do that. I still think there's a risk when you put out that much music. And actually, you brought this up early in the show, and I hadn't really thought about it, was that sometimes you want, you need that time to just get used to the person's, Mm -hmm. like get used to the music before moving on to the next music. And I think maybe that was an issue when I listened to his music, because like the quality of his music's good. But I would find when I'm going through and was researching and having him on the show that I would pick the standout track Mm -hmm. of each album. And for me, it was sort of easy to find because a lot of them, like they have sort of a particular sound to them. And then there'd be this one that sort of stood out. And I guess if you put out music too frequently, you might run that risk of not allowing people to get used to stuff before you release the new stuff. And then maybe it doesn't allow that other stuff to... Yeah, to kind of sink in. Mm -hmm. I mean, because most albums, whether it's, you know, Synthwave or any other genre, I mean, you're going to crank up an album that there's only going to be three or four songs that really stand out. I mean, that's any album. doesn't matter if it's number one on Billboard or just you know anybody doing their bedroom production but most albums i listen to i have to listen to them three or four times before it grows on me before i find a track or two that i really am liking and i can understand i used to do a lot of the quantity thing and then i kind of heard that from some other people that a lot of people do enjoy the i'd rather have three or four quality tracks than just a hundred tracks to listen to Mm -hmm. people have different styles and different vibes there are a lot of people that love that though there are a lot of people that just can't wait for more and more and more to be released so it's just your own opinion really i know what i like pretty quickly i mean there is obviously like listening to stuff and having it grow on you but for me now my problem is and i mean i guess it's a nice problem to have is like making this show i'm like i'm inundated with music And so my problem now is I don't always have that time to fall in love with songs the way that I used to. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like every month I have about like 20 new hours of music at least to listen to that people are sending me and stuff. Right. I'm like power listening. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, I do know what I like. So I usually know if I like a song within like the first second. Like I press play and I already go like, okay, I like this. Like I know where this is going. And really a song can only go down for me for that point. So, you know, sometimes a song will start out good, but then all of a sudden someone will hit like some wacky note or the chorus will be bad or the vocal Mm -hmm. will be weird. And then the song kind of goes down, but it starts on like this high for me. And then often it's it's like years later. I'll just have my playlist on random and then a song will pop up and I go, oh, what's this? And it's like a surprise because I didn't really listen to it the first time because I didn't have the opportunity. And now I am. True. You know? I think that just comes with the territory of being a radio host in general, though. You sound similar to every other radio host I've talked to that you're so busy trying to go through different catalogs and pick stuff for your show that you just don't have time to sit around and, you know, listen to a whole album through and pick what you love. Fuck that shit, man. I'm unique. (laughs) I'm not like all those other fools, man. I'm the best. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, but it makes sense. But just when you said by the first second or two, I can know if it's something I dig or not. That's... um, big thing in this industry you know just whether it's radio hosts or giving it to an artist and repertoire or anybody that's uh picking music for a TV show or commercial or film, they say the first 10 seconds are the biggest part of a song because it'll either turn them right on or turn them right off to it. And that's also a scary thing as a musician too. That's something I take into account that you get a little scared of like, was an intro too long or is this the right note to start on for the intro? Because I mean, that's the biggest impression you're going to give is that first 10 seconds. Yeah. And a lot of synthwave tracks, that first 10 seconds is taken up with the, the sound of a cassette going into a machine. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
that's a big deal to have minute long intros and I've had to learn to cut those down but then there are some days that I just go screw it I want to do my art you know who cares what what they think about it but yeah that's a that's just a big thing I think just being a radio host that you have the big catalog you have to go through and that's very understandable like it's a nice problem to have I mean like obviously I, lo- I love the music and that's why mm-hmm. I like doing it but I also love music and it, it's funny because I literally have I think my synthwave folder is up to like 24 days worth of music now or something wow and yet I still will go back to the same songs you know like I will still pull just a few tracks out and make a little playlist of 30 songs or something mm-hmm. out of fucking 8,000 or whatever the fuck there is in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. look, man, That's I want to listen to more music here. We're going to move forward to the album Night Swim. Cool. And, uh, and this was a track I dug. This is Future City by the Northern Lights. <laughs> Fight together. 
And that was Northern Lights with the track Future City. And I'm here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek, talking about music. Yep. <laughs> That's. I feel like we've talked about everything under the sun. Real estate, yeah. acapellas. <laughs> this is not just a music show anymore. This never was a music show. <laughs> That's the biggest complaint is like whenever I do this thing, people are just like... That's awesome. I don't think... That's a complaint at all. That's why earlier in the show when I asked you what DAW you use and I asked you in that tone of voice, it's because there is people who actually listen and they, they want to know more about the artist process and stuff. And, you know, I've done like mm-hmm. over 150 episodes and it, like I very rarely ask those types of questions. We mostly just end up talking about like video games mm-hmm. and movies. And that seems to be like, I feel like this is a video game and movie show with musical guests. Works for me. So then what else goes on? You're making music all the time. You're hanging out by pools. Do you like TV? You like watching movies and shows, playing games? What else goes on over there? Swimming pools, movie stars. Sounds like this glamorous life. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, I'm just to a point where I'm just loving life. I mean, I'm to a point now where um, I'm able to just make music and do what I'm loving to do. And so today I'm at least getting a day i'm just gonna go to the park after this and hang out so i'm trying to get into gaming trying to get into gaming i have a new band that i'm working with called rosewood rebels they're a really neat punk band that i'm working with here in nashville they're all way into gaming and so they're trying to introduce me to a lot of it and i can see where i'm gonna fall in love with that pretty soon (laughs) i was talking the other day and the only game i want to play is gta that's been the biggest thing because i played vice city whenever i was younger and that's the last time i've really played it and i mean i have like a wii at my house that i still play mario and mario kart but and i played the nintendo switch too because my nephew got one of those and that was awesome to play but so i'm trying to find more hobbies i'm a very boring person i'm like a 90 year old soul inside of a 20s body like i would rather sit (laughs) and read a book have a cup of coffee than go out on the town so you're making me feel very boring because you're like what else do you do Um, i don't do a lot i literally write and i hang out and read (laughs) well no you're doing the important thing is is making the art see that's i'm showing you now my limitations as an interviewer because i try and find like touchstones with people and so i go like well you you play games let's talk about mario for a while like that's like where my brain is (laughs) no i do have to say okay yeah so i'm very basic when it comes to gaming but i feel like these guys that i'm hanging out with that i'm working with they're trying to pull me more into it they're uh, when we get around well when we get around and sit for coffee and stuff that's usually what they're talking about so it's interesting that i'm learning about all these games but i've never actually played them i love simulation games as well like sims or you know anything that i was a big roller coaster tycoon fan when i was a kid growing up i mm-hmm. mean i would just sit there for hours building this theme park and this is going to become a whole other story but if i did not do music i wanted to always do something like that like architecture or building roller coasters something in that sense so simulation games are huge to me and but i'm a roller coaster nerd so all of the roller coasters that are getting wild and crazy and they're getting crazier out there mm-hmm. i read the other day they go that's because all the people that are designing them now are all adults that are designing based off of the crazy roller coasters they used to design in roller coaster tycoon side note <laughs> I'm like it makes sense though that they were getting all these wild and wild roller coasters and like it's because they used to just make these impossible roller coasters on this simulation game and now they're making them in real life figuring out how we can create that science and make it not kill people whenever they're on. I don't yeah. know. I think that's why there's the sort of rise of the barcade now. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, a lot of the business owners are. I mean, I'm I'm 35. No, am I 36? 
I'm going to be 37. <laughs> oh, no. All right. We don't have to talk about that. But I think like a lot of the business owners are like around my age now or maybe a little bit older. Yeah. And so there's yeah. so many of these places popping up that are bars, but they have a few arcade units or video games. Like I've been to like several different places in the last little while that just, you know, there might just be little booths with a little TV and like a Nintendo controllers hanging out of it. Yeah. We have quite a few of those here as well. I've been to a few of them and they're a lot of fun. I mean, it's just like a kid going to the arcade, putting in your quarter, but you've also got your IPA in hand. (laughs) That's the perfect thing for me because I was never, I'm not a dancer. I was never a club kind of guy. Like I've always been a pub person, but I also love games and playing video games was always my social thing with my friends you know we'd we'd hang out and play Mm. n64 and stuff together and so i like the idea of them combining like because i feel like if i opened up an establishment like if i actually opened up a restaurant i totally would have little fucking booths with a tv and like n64 and shit what's things to keep you entertained and keep a common ground too because you know like i said i'm very introverted and usually small talk is not very it doesn't come very naturally to me so i'm not a club guy either i can't get out and dance I mean, I love my music and I would love for people to dance for my music, but I'm more the guy that creates that than the guy that wants to get out onto the dance floor. And then sitting there, small talk is not always easy for me. So having something like that to keep you busy and a game or, you know, something that keeps that common ground too, it brings something in common with all of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just neat that businesses are just that our generation is finding a way to make money off of that, but not just make money, but they're finding a way that appeases to our childhood, you know, that kind of brings back that nostalgia. Yeah, I know for sure, man. Like it's, it's up my... Is us up my wheelhouse. That's not the expression. It is in my wheelhouse. Uh-oh. It's cool, man. Uh, last <laughs> night I said something to somebody last night about like whatever tickles your fancy. I was like, did I really? Everybody's like, did you really just say that? No, but tickle my tickle my fancy is a real one. Like <laughs> that tickles my fancy is a real expression. But you don't say that's up my wheelhouse because that just sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I want to listen to more music. We're going to move forward here to your cool. new album, Revival. Yeah. And uh, and there's lots of great tracks on here. And here's one we're going to listen to now, man. This is Screaming for Love. Yes. Featuring, what did she say, Steph Sinney? It's Steph Sinney. Steph yeah, Sinney. She's a great artist here in Nashville. She's... Uh, sorry, let you do your thing. Well, here, let's... <laughs> you, you can <laughs> tell me about, tell it. about it, but I'll let you play it. Well, we'll, we'll play the song first, and then we'll talk about it. Cool.
And that was Screaming for Love by the Northern Lights featuring Stephsony. And I'm here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek, so tell me about Stephsony. Stephsony, okay. She's an amazing artist here in Nashville. One of the most random things. So a lot of this project, I wanted to feature some of my artist friends here in Nashville to come and sing with me on this. You know, just people that helped me through my first year. There's a big backstory with this. Whenever I came here to visit for my first time, I got off of the plane. I came into the hotel lobby and my room was not available yet, but I had my guitars and I was wanted to walk across the street for a drink. And so this girl's like, she's working at the front desk. I'm like, can you watch my guitars for me? Well, this was Stephanie. So we, she's like the first person I met whenever I came here to visit for the first time. And, you know, we hit it off. She was going, oh, I'm a singer. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So the rest of that was history. That was about a year ago. And she's releasing her debut album, I think on like July 30th. And she's doing so well for herself. She's singing back up with Christopher Cross, not Criss Cross, the original Christopher Cross. And she's this weekend, she's playing at the Hollywood Bowl in Hollywood with like Kenny Loggins. Michael McDonald is there as well. And then Christopher Cross. So yeah, she's doing so great for herself. And I'm just honored that she said she wanted to come sing on that song. And um, I wrote the music for that. And she came in and laid it down in two takes. I mean, we did a little bit of light layering of the vocals, but she just came in and just sang it right through and Anyway, I'm excited about that song. If you can't tell, that's going to be a single that comes out in August. So we're going to make that a uh, its own single, its own release here in just a few weeks. Well, technically, this might air after that. Oh, it's cool. Well, if this airs after that, then everyone go get that single because it's a... It's a good track. Thanks, man. Right? Appreciate yep. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm satisfied with it. No, I'm, I'm happy about it. Whenever people say like, oh, you know, uh, they came in and they just, you know, laid down the vocals like in one take and like walked out. And I always picture there's this Simpsons episode where um, Krusty the Clown, like they have like a recording session and, and Krusty the Clown comes in to record his lines. He, he just has such contempt for like all the things he has to do like on the side. And he just like, mm-hmm. he just, he walks in the door, walks in front of the microphone, just has cue cards and says his lines and like walks out no one even like hit record yet talking doll take eight when i get married i'm keeping my own name uh, you know that should probably be if i choose to get married uh look little girl we got other talking dollies to record today all right you plain dexters let's get this right one hey hey kids i'm talking crusty two hey hey here comes slide chill mel again here comes side chill mel side chill mel three <laughs> bada bing bada boom i'm done Learn from a professional, kid. Okay, Krusty, uh, we are ready to roll. Any... What the... (laughs) I can imagine it, though, because I know that there are some actors that they just go, I'm doing one take, and that's all you're getting. You know, but but yeah. no, she's not like that at all. But she, it's that she's so talented that she was able to just come in and I mean, her pitch and the way she can hear the pitch is just very. It's impeccable. It's great. So what's uh what's coming up then? What's the future? The Northern Lights. What do you got planned? Well, I'm actually trying to. You know, originally that was going to be a band thing, and then I moved it to a producer name. Um, I'm trying to progress this, go forward here in Nashville. That I'm trying to make it more the North, like Northern Lights Productions. So it would be that whenever I record with different artists here in Nashville, I'm trying to branch out and just with write and write with as many people as I can, and just put my name on it to bring it under Northern Lights Productions. So you'll probably see more people popping up on a SoundCloud or on my Twitter that aren't just my 
my song uh, in general. That's just people I want to work with and write with and lots of cool opportunities coming up, trying to work my hardest, just doing what I love. And what I love is really just helping people bring their music to life. And I love my own projects, but uh, this last one, Revival, that I released, it was more of a just to take the people around here in Nashville and say, this is what I can do. It doesn't always have to be, you know, the 80s, 90s sound, but my passion is really just helping artists here bring their music together. So, you know, I meet a lot of people that they just play guitar. They don't have a way of putting a full production together. So being able to reach out to people and give back and say, let's make a full production for you. Let's help get your name out there a little more. That's where I want to move with this. I love my work and I want to get my name out there for myself, but I love the sense of community here in Nashville. That's what I'm really pushing for is just working with m- as many people as possible and collaborating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to find some way to throw keyboards in there too. That's uh, <laughs> what I love about it though. That was one of the reasons I moved here was to bring more of that synth, the pop sound here to Nashville. And it's not always accepted. It's really not. And I said at the beginning of the show, there's only like 20 of us who are real into the pop using synths and using a digital sound with it. But I like being unique you know either they're going to accept it or they're not going to but i love that rather than just being you know the typical cookie cutter here just just work on someone's project as a producer and then just surprise them like i remember i talked to kid casio and kid casio has a studio and he he helps produce some bands in england but i know like he always wants to throw synths on stuff Mm -hmm. and so he was telling Mm -hmm. a funny story of like this new sort of like rock band that he was he was helping produce and he thought they'd appreciate him and he like he put on all this like orchestra synth stuff to their music and then they were just Mm -hmm. like what the fuck is this like when they got it back like they they didn't want it at all but i I know I probably would have preferred that version had I heard it because I love I love the synthesizers. Yeah, there's a few people I'm working with now that well, no, I, I'll get their permission a little bit, but it, that is a scary risk though to take that to go. Oh, I think he almost went in there just thinking like, oh, they'll like this for sure. You know, like yeah. there's a certain mindset of people who like, well, we all love synthesizers because they're awesome, and so there's no way right. in hell that other people are not going to love this too. And then you find out like, nope, right? And I'm having to branch out with that just as a producer working with people, understanding there's some people that aren't going to enjoy that but i get what you're saying that to me i'll listen to it and go oh this should be here this should be here but they (laughs) they have a complete their brain works completely different and that's also terrifying man that's that would be soul crushing to me that i put all this work in all this and they're going no just do orchestra hits get like start producing some guy who's just a singer songwriter you know country musician and then just just throw orchestra hits into the song yeah like just really like misplaced orchestra hits (laughs) oh man i'm sure they would just appreciate me so much (laughs) (laughs) this is why i could never do it like my sense of humor would if someone gets me to do something and i think of a funny idea the joke idea will take over my interest because I'm still I still have like an artistic <laughs> brain where like I need to be interested in a project to work on it which is why True. I'll do like corporate video editing and stuff like videos like that and they just hurt me to edit because it's just so boring and mm-hmm. uh, yep. and when I think of a joke I'm just like fuck I could edit this joke version and I would be so excited to do so Yeah, but no one's going to appreciate it but me and that's a big thing I'm trying to learn as a producer too that synthesizer is my passion right now I love playing that but I'm having to learn compromise. I don't know. It's, I guess it would be like a marriage. I'm having to learn to compromise with what they want for their sound just as a producer. And it gets hard for me too editing some songs that aren't necessarily my style, but I want to help that person. But it does get tough sometimes editing it. If you're not as into it, it's a struggle. You're sitting there trying to push through it. I'm trying to be more open-minded with, with every different genre and, and I'm trying to just appreciate 
just music in general. Everybody has their own style and their own their own sound they want to go with, and I try to help them roll with it. <laughs> I sound so enthused about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, look, we can probably wind this down, but I think maybe we'll listen to one more track. Cool. Sounds good. And then we'll we'll do like a a proper goodbye here. So uh, this song was great. I played this on the show before. Uh, This is Malibu featuring Danny Martin. And this is just a really solid track, man. So we're going to listen to that right now. Thanks.
And that was Malibu by the Northern Lights featuring Danny Martin. And I'm here with the Northern Lights right now. Derek. Hey. I know we're, we're wrapping up, but I also wanted to mention Danny, too. Danny's a very talented artist here in Nashville that we met up a few times. And he was one of the first few that I think our styles clicked, that he's real into the pop electronic scene. And I had sent him a few pieces of music because I'd released an instrumental of Malibu. And he just goes, oh, I heard that. And the song is actually about a girl he dated. I don't think she actually was in Malibu. I think she was in Boston or somewhere. But anyway, the whole thing was um, she kept telling him she was going to come back and she was going to come back and she never would come back. So the, that's the breakdown of that song of, you know, you said it was only for the summer. Why are you still there? Anyway, but he was just a great artist to come in and work with as well. And we're so we're going to collaborate more as as a writing team. That'll be a, a fun thing. Well, no, it's, it's um, good stuff. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think uh, Doreen sent me the album to listen to and I think the, the files were like the original waves and so they were labeled. I don't even think they were in the correct order, but I remember like I was just sort of like flipping through and then when that song mm-hmm. kicked in I was like oh cool man here's the fucking star of this one because like it's a cool. it's a great track thanks thanks I appreciate it yeah I loved releasing that one just kind of for the sound of summer I wanted to go with the summer feel with this entire album which a lot of my albums have that but I thought the lyrics also fit in well with that summer theme of it's the summer of your dreams but the summer's also winding down as well for a lot of people so I'm hoping that this can keep going that later on whenever we get closer to the end of summer and to the fall that maybe people will listen to it and start dreaming more of getting back to summertime. Yeah, so um, I love that song as well. Well, cool, man. Well, look, it was good talking to you. Is there is there something we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Or Oh, there's so many things in life that I want to talk about. <laughs> this interview would never end. All right, fair enough. I think we got the gist of it. I had a lot of fun, though. Thanks for finally calling me and us doing this interview. I, I can't believe we haven't talked before. Because I'm, I'm just not a very organized person. Like, there's some artists whose names I, I recognize because I've heard the music for years mm-hmm. and then I just end up going down these different tangents and having other people on the show and then there's this point where I'm like holy shit like there's this person who I haven't talked to like so like the Northern Lights I know because you've done producer work on some tracks by Dana Jean yeah so I've known you know like your music mm-hmm. for a long time but then it's just and there's other ones too like there's other artists who I'm just like how how is it that I haven't talked to you know this person yet and so I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to rectify some of those things right now oh, and just you're be good like, man no I was I was excited and this and I had a lot of fun this is really chill and I had a good time so thank you for having me yeah man well so what's uh, what's coming up in the future dude I'm just doing my work here I've got some good things coming up There's some great things coming up they'll be revealed in time so mm. but right now just loving what I'm doing just working just following my passion that's the biggest thing for me cool man well, we'll end you know. this on a fucking positive note Derek is in a good place and he's happy about being able to make music and bring people's musical realizations to life. Is that correct? Musical dreams. You're going to be a producer. Yeah. You're going to produce some music is the point. (laughs) We can go with that. And play some video games. That works. Yes. And become a gamer. Yeah. There you go. And at that point, you will do a lot less production. Yes. It's all downhill from here, pretty much. (laughs) All right, man. It was good talking to you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. All right, and that was my conversation with the Northern Lights. I hope you enjoyed the show. Shout out to uh, some of my $10 donors, man. Playmaker Media and Martin Larby. You guys are cool, and that's pretty much all I got to say today. So tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Who's going to be on next week? I can't remember what next week's show is, but I think 
If you like Robert Parker, you might enjoy the interview, if you know what I mean. And uh, I'll see you guys next time on Beyond Synth. Thanks for Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day. Take that to the bank. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank.